Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Welcome back to Heels in the Courtroom. This is Megan, and I'm here today with Liz, Amy, Erica, and Elizabeth. And we are talking today about something that I think we've all experienced at some point or another in our careers, and I think a lot of professionals experience, and that is burnout. I know our firm has been feeling really busy lately, and so this is something that's been at the forefront of our minds. And so Amy and Liz, I know you guys have a trial coming up. Have you been experiencing burnout, and how do you differentiate burnout from regular stress? Can I interject really quick here? I think it is funny that you said, Amy and Liz, you guys have a trial coming up. I think the point is that you each have a trial coming up. That's correct. (laughs) Although you are a team, we have divided the team and you are conquering two trials at one time. Not only that, but to add further context, we just got out of a two and a half week trial not very long ago. So not only is this burnout (laughs) that we're currently experiencing and will continue to experience, it's burnout that we have already been experiencing. So as I was coming home yesterday, admittedly feeling a little bit sorry for myself because it has been really, really busy, which is wonderful for the practice. It's wonderful for our clients to start getting some of these cases moving since COVID, it occurred to me, gosh, I wonder if I'm verging on burnout. I think it's an important self-assessment to do in times of stress, probably not just in times of stress. But as I was driving home, thinking about a hundred different things, I was thinking about potentially being burned out. And my mind immediately went to Well, it's better than being bored. So I'm wondering what in the world is wrong with me if my two speeds are almost burned out and scared of being bored, because I feel like that's sort of where I end up. I'm either 100 miles an hour with my hair on fire or I'm asleep. And I have said that before, and it really does feel like my two speeds and I think the exercise for today is perhaps try to figure out how not to be at either of those two extremes. How can I get to a position where I'm not verging on burnout? And I know I keep saying verging on burnout, probably because I can't admit or I don't have time to admit that maybe I am actually burned out. I guess You'll I'll think do about it. it when you're less busy. Right. When <laughs> I get through this next trial, perhaps I'll do some introspection on that, but I doubt it. I believe the reason why... I wanted to talk about this today in the middle of this crazy time is to help us and perhaps our listeners identify when you're getting close to burnout or when you can anticipate burnout and militate against it. So is there any literature or articles or anything out there on this topic that you all are familiar with? So a while ago, I had this article shared with me. It's a Huffington Post article, and it's about the difference between stress and burnout. And I particularly found it really eye-opening because I think that the lines can sometimes be blurred in our minds, but being able to recognize when it's one or the other is really helpful and can kind of help you navigate how to manage or maybe mend those feelings that you're having. And basically the point of the article is that stress is basically pushing our reserves past our comfort level. 
And stress can be a good or a negative thing, but generally stress is temporary and it may in the end help you grow or achieve a goal. So, you know, stress may come in the form of like a lot of deadlines that all fall on the same day. But once you work to get those through, you may feel that sense of relief. On the other hand, burnout is less about over-engagement and more about disengagement. And it's when you get to the point of, I have so much or I don't want to do this anymore. And it manifests in a lack of motivation, feeling like lack of purpose, emptiness. And this is when it's really unhealthy and it may also lead to sleep issues, isolation, you know, suffering performance, physically making you sick. And so, just recognizing when you are maybe just overly stressed and when you're actually burnt out, I think is a really important thing to keep in mind. And the article gives some tips on how to manage when you're starting to feel burnt out. And those are kind of common sense, but always helpful to keep in mind to find meaning in the work that you're doing. This was the number one tip that the article suggested to combat burnout. So try and keep in mind that what you're doing is for a good purpose. I know with our job that is pretty easy to find. You know, we may get caught up in something, but when you take a step back and remember that what we're doing is to really help someone and help them find justice, that can really be helpful. And then, you know, do good things for yourself, self-care. Those may be hard to prioritize at a time when you're feeling burnout, but taking a step back and remember to do them is always going to be helpful. The most interesting thing I found about that article is that it was suggesting that burnout is going to lead to, like you said, like disengagement and being overly cynical. And I'm like reading that and I'm like, oh, they see me. <laughs> like I hate it when we do that. And I realized that I have like two triggers that I know like I'm getting a little too far over on that scale on the stress meter, if you will, and getting closer to burnout. I start getting really irritable and kind of cynical with opposing counsel. And that's where that's where my energy goes. That's who I take it out on, which I guess is I don't know, for a litigator, probably the healthiest place to go. I don't know. I don't want to take it out of my family or my colleagues. So that's fair. The other thing is it starts like work starts keeping me up at night or it's the thing that I'm thinking about before I go to bed. That's a really terrible feeling. And I know that might be some people's like day to day, like they're always worrying about work, but I really don't. And it's not because I don't care it's because I've done really well at compartmentalizing and when I'm home trying to, you know, focus on being home and being off work and being with my family. And if it's creeping into that time, like thoughts about work and the stress about what we have going on, I know that things are out of balance and it's a terrible feeling. And anytime fighting with an opposing counsel or, you know, working on certain things at work are keeping me up at night, that's when... I know that things need to change or, you know, I just start counting the days till that deadline's over or that trial prep is through or whatever it is. And I experienced that this week. And Amy, I think we talked last night. I told you that <laughs> a couple of days ago I was working late after putting kids down, which is always kind of a bad thing if that's when I'm having to go back to work. But I'm coming upstairs and I'm just seething as I'm going to bed and I can't get, you know, how ridiculous I think this opposing counsel is out of my mind. Like I'm reading their motions and just like big eye roll the whole time. And 
the next morning I woke up and I was talking to my wife and I was like, hey, let me tell you what's going on and what I'm thinking. And I need you to give me some perspective. Like I can't get a handle on perspective right now because I'm seething at this person so much. And she just said, it sounds like you need to channel all your energy into just beating them. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I love it. That's what I'm going to do. Like I wanted to do that. And that, you know, I was getting mad because I was working so hard at beating them in these motions and these deadlines that we have coming up. But something with that just clicked for me. And it helped me gain that perspective that you're talking about, Megan, as far as like finding meaning in what we're doing. It's not just me beating them and prevailing. It's beating them for our client. And that has helped me out the rest of the week. But that's what how I've tried to kind of get over those feelings when I'm at that brink is just talk to someone that you trust and can handle what you're saying and who knows you, whoever that is, whether it's a, I don't know, parent, spouse, friend, cat, your cat, Amy. I love my cat. (laughs) And I think it's important to be cognizant of when you're starting to feel those things that can help you manage it is to think about what is going to help make me feel better. Is it just putting things in perspective of this is part of the ebbs and flows of litigation? Or do I need a small break, a couple days off, a vacation? Or even, you know, when you get to later in your career, do I need to change jobs or do I even need to change fields? And it's just important to put in perspective, I think, what is going to help alleviate these feelings. I think the biggest concern for me when I'm feeling these things is I start to make mental errors and I become not very good at my job. Or I don't think that I am because I'm just making small errors that I wouldn't normally make. And how do I solve that? So would you take a step back? But that's not always an option. So I don't really guess I have the answers for this problem. But as a younger attorney, I think it's something that we experience. We don't necessarily know how to handle it a lot because, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff you've never done before. You're stressed out every day about something new and it just becomes a lot. So I don't really know, but I think maybe it's a good time to utilize that mentor in your life that's been there before that can kind of help you navigate it or at least can, you know, relate to having been there before. And I think sometimes the answer is just kind of you got to suck it up and get through it. It's just a season. It won't last forever. But it is unfortunately part of the job that we signed up for, especially as trial attorneys. You know, something that stuck out to me about your answer there, Elizabeth, is, you know, being a younger lawyer. It feels like there is a lot of pressure to act like you are okay. And I know that the people around us encourage us to be open and honest about how we're feeling. And that is, I think that comes from a genuinely good place. uh, And it's not something that's just lip service, but we all know the pressure to act like you are okay. And so the number of times I've been asked like, hey, you doing all right? There's a lot of pressure to just say, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I know that this comes with the job. And that's not genuinely how we feel. But there's also this concern about, well, if I actually say how I feel, you're going to look weak or you're going to look like you're whiny. And that's not what we want because this job has such a requirement that we put on a constant you know, shield, that we're always ready for the fight, but you can't show that there is any crack in your armor because 
you have to assume, especially in a job as adversarial as this and as competitive as this, that someone is going to take advantage of that, whether that's opposing counsel or if you work in an office environment where maybe your colleagues are competing with you. That could be a situation where you, where you don't want to lose out on opportunities at your own job because you don't want to appear weak. So I feel like we generally have done better as a collective society about talking about mental health and talking about burnout, but there is still a large stigma around actually being honest with how we are doing because the intense level of competition. And, you know, we joke about that episode on our podcast is everything a competition. And we all jokingly said yes. But also, if everything's a competition, then you're always in it. You always got to be on your game. And admitting to burnout, admitting to stress, admitting that you're unhappy makes you look like a, a weak competitor. Sorry, I got real dark there. <laughs> no, it was funny. It's funny because right before you talked, I was ready to interject. And I was going to say, oh, come on. We're all fine. We'll all get through it. I've been doing this for a long time. And I feel so compelled to always say the same thing, which is we're good. You'll be fine. You'll get through it. This too shall end. And you're right, Liz. It's the job, the steel facade that we carry, that we embrace, that we wear to court in our negotiations with our clients, with our opposing counsel. That is hard to take on and off. It's hard to pretend like the most exciting thing you've ever done in this moment is get ready to try this case that has a lot of things riding on it, including whether your client is compensated for their injuries, not the least of which if there's money riding on it that the firm has put into it, your reputation, all those things. To pretend like it's water off a duck's back is our first reaction because I think that's what we've been taught. That's what we see. It seems to be the appropriate reaction. It's pretending, at least from my perspective, it's largely pretending. But I also think you have to try to talk yourself into it. You know, it's hard to really get prepared and to be mentally ready to go to trial because we know that that's what we have to do. So instead, as I started saying, we wear our steel facade. And it's what, at least from my perspective, it's what gets me through what is a really hard job that we have. Wearing that facade does create a brick wall around you, and it's hard to take down. It affects who you engage with. It affects how open you are, even in times of non-stress in times when it, you really don't have to have that facade up. I mean, I think about candid conversations that I have with old friends, like really old friends that have known me for 40 years or so. Those are sometimes the best conversations that you can have. And I have it with my mom and my good friends that I've had for a long time. And that feels better. 
It feels better to really let it down. And so having conversations with people who are truly outside of your work world, truly outside of your career world, is imperative. And setting that time aside to have that conversation, even saying, hey, best friend from high school, I need 30 minutes of your time on Sunday because we just have to talk about stuff that you, only you and I remember, or only you and I can talk about. That's very helpful. I might be calling my best friend from high school tonight. Just yeah, so. <laughs> I was going to say, sounds like you have an agenda to set for your weekend. Yeah, Amy, listening to you talk about that, it's making me think, you know, when you're leading up to trial or you're getting to a really critical point in a case and you're having conversations maybe with the opposing counselor or whatever it is, and you don't want to crack at all. And Liz, that's what you were talking about as well. Like you can't show any weakness. There's no way that you're going to sit there and talk to the opposing counsel and be like, are you overworked right now? Like, I'm really working hard right now. I got three other things going on besides this case. Like, can you maybe just settle it? They would take that and shove it down your throat and take a zero off the amount that they may have offered you. And that's what's so hard because there's a lot of posturing. And that's part of like keeping up that offensive. And the thing is, yes, that happens. But also at this firm, we've always backed it up because that's the atmosphere. That's the speed that we go. So, you know, as much as you may even be putting up a strong face and, you know, keeping your game face on, even if you want to take it off, you cannot because that would be the worst thing for your client. It would be hard to say like, oh man, I just really don't want to try that case. Like I might say it, but it won't change the fact that I'm going to go ahead and do it if that's what's required. It's just, you're right. It, that level of like frenetic energy where you have to operate on a day-to-day basis is so wearing. And I think that's sometimes where the burnout comes from too. Like if your mind is working on that level every day, And I don't know about you guys, but if I actually take a break, it takes me several days to even decompress enough to enjoy a break. Erica, you mentioned your triggers earlier, and it made me think, and mine is sleep loss. I sleep like a baby, an angel. I sleep. It is a blessing. I do. (laughs) An angel. An angel. I sleep like an angel. Didn't you know how well angels sleep? (laughs) I don't. I read something somewhere about Tom Brady, and he attributes most of his success to being able to sleep like a baby. And I'm thinking, God, yeah, I get that. And when I can't sleep, the worst part of it is it's compounding because you can't sleep, you can't get good rest, you can't get refreshed to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. So I know when I'm waking up at night and can't go back to sleep, I am in deep trouble. All I can do right now is just look at the light at the end of the tunnel. This is advice that we can all take, that we can give to our listeners as well, which is you have to find that time. Pick a vacation, put it on the calendar six months from now, whatever. And I'm thinking more fine-tuned than that is when is the not the next week that I can take off? When's the next day I can take off? and do it. 
Because think about, Liz, think about how many days now we have done pretty much nothing else except prepare for one or two trials. We were on the same trial. I mean, I started preparing for that case every single day starting before July 4th. That case got done in August, and we both immediately pivoted to our respective cases now. So July, August, September, October, three and a half, four months, where we've done nothing but one and two cases. It tells me when we're through with these next two cases, we can take a day or two to try to step away. And I'm talking about during the week. Imagine that. During the week, take a day or two to step away because what's one more day after you've been doing nothing else but one or two cases for four months? So that's what I've told myself. If we're done with these cases in the next, hopefully, week or whatever you're doing in your life, whatever your big project is, it doesn't have to be trying a case. Whoever else is listening, they've got a big project to work. I've got a good friend and she does accounting. We call her Chandler if anybody watches Friends, a lot of it, <laughs> because we don't really know what she does. But she's an accountant, and she has really, really busy times, and she calls it trial. When she says, I'm in trial, I know what she's going through. So it doesn't have to be trial. Whatever it is in your life that is your big project that you have to get done, that you're putting your entire self into, that is going to end. And if you can start looking past that, Picking a day, a week, whatever you have time to do and commit to actually spending that time, then you have to do it. And I always look at everything, you know, again, balance and time management and all those things. And I'm looking around the rest of my life right now, like, what is out of balance? Because it's going to be. I mean, it is. So I'm picking the things that are out of not just taking a day off and staring at the ceiling. I'm going to take a day off and pull the things that are currently off the rails back on the rails. And I know what a couple of those things are. So I'm starting in my mind to give myself the grace to plan those things. And that's also helping. That also helps me feel better, like, okay, I can do this. And then the last thing, of course, for me is, <sighs> I have done this over and over and over and over over the years. And I have always survived and I have never, ever lost entirely, never lost entirely, maybe transitorily lost my love for this job and what we can do for people. I've never lost that. And I think in times like this, you're like, where is that? Why? What? You just, you know, draw on your memories, draw on your experiences that we are lucky to do what we do. It does help that, that I know in that moment when I am in the middle of the night and I wake up and I can't go back to sleep, I know I will sleep again. I will sleep again and I'll get it back on the rails. And if you've done a good job with your relationships and you're always really trying hard to nurture those relationships, then hopefully you've given yourself some leeway to get those back on the rails on days when you can. It's interesting that you put it in, in that perspective because my husband, who is an accountant, <laughs> uh, and I know what it means when he tells me busy season is gearing up or, you know, his family understands what 
we mean when we say, you know, he's in busy season or I'm in trial, our families understand. But he actually picked me up from the airport yesterday. And his busy season is starting to pick up. He's got a filing deadline soon. I think his filing deadline falls maybe the day after I'm supposed to get out of trial. So it is our house is a disaster right now. But he did find the time in his very busy schedule to come pick me up from the airport because I was out of town for uh, a deposition. And as we were driving back, we were talking about burnout. And he made the comment about, you know, it seems like every busy season, there's just more work. Every busy season, there's more work, but somehow he's able to get past it. And I made the comment, you know, every year I'm getting more work and more responsibility and it feels like there's more cases coming my way and more trials coming. And we felt, you know, even though there's more work piling on because we have the experience and the perspective, it sort of feels like we have built up a bit of an immunity to the stress and the burnout or whatever label we want to put on it. And that is something that I've been thinking about the last 24 hours is is everything that is happening right now that is making me crazy and driving me up a wall, is that helping me build up an immunity to this burnout? Therefore, I can deal with it as the months and the years go on. Amy, when you talk to your mom, what does she say? Like, what's your mom's, like, go-to, like, this is the advice she gives me? You know, usually I just tell her the story of the case. I whine a little bit. I say, I'm kind of feeling sorry for myself today. She's just a good listener. And when I'm done telling the story of the case, whether it includes facts of the case or this is what the judge ruled or this is what the opposing counsel said, this is what's happening, I just feel better because she hardly ever interrupts me. I mean, maybe she's not even listening. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's possible. But she puts on the right, she says the uh-huhs and yes at the right time. But she does ask follow-up questions. But normally, she's just a super good listener. And at the end, she just says, I love you, right? Because that's what you need to hear. And that's the constant that you need. And guess what? The conversation I have with her next week or two weeks from now when this trial is over and when I have my life a little bit back in order, she's going to tell me the same story about what happened down at church or, you know, what her neighbor said or the fence issue she's having right now (laughs) with her neighbor, you know? So it's just very much being able to have someone that you can totally be open with what's happening, good, bad, ugly, And just getting that affirmation at the end that I could have told her, look, I could have told her the story of winning a $25 million case, or I could have told her the story of worst loss of a case that I've ever had. I'd get the same answer at the end, that she was proud of me and that she loved me. And that's all that matters. What I try to take away from that is hopefully having that same ability to my friends and family, and really being aware of what people need from me at different times in their life and being able to read them when they're burning out or everything's fine or just being able to read the situation. So I've tr- that's what I've tried to learn. Other than just feeling better, I've also tried to learn and say, how can I be like this to somebody? I feel like if you've got experience 
that you can share with people to make their lives, careers, choices, whatever, a little bit easier, what a gift it is to be able to give that. I don't think I quite understand folks that aren't willing to spend time doing that because it makes the mentor just as much better as the mentee, if not more so. But speaking of helping, we did get a voicemail this week from a listener and I wanted to share it because it was along the lines of really making you feel better about maybe all this is potentially worth it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it could be. Um, this is a young trial attorney in Ohio, and she just called to thank us for producing the wonderful Heels in the Courtroom podcast. She's a newer attorney doing her first jury trial recently. And she said she found our podcast incredibly helpful. And she's sure some of the strategies that we shared with her helped her win her case. So kudos to her for that success and well wishes to her for the future as well. I think what's really the takeaway from this conversation for me today is that everyone experiences some form of burnout. And the important thing to keep in mind is there's always going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, that may look different on different days. I know for Amy and Liz, who are going through trials right now, it's going to be maybe a bigger relief. It's going to result in taking a day off or vacation. For me right now, it's today. I, I had a really busy last two weeks, not preparing for trial, but with a lot of written motions, very lengthy written motions. And I've worked all weekend for the past two weekends and stayed up late doing things because they just had to get done. And today at noon or something, I turned in my last thing that's due for a while. And it was just this sense of relief. And I have plenty of things that I could start, but I was talking to another attorney and they said, just enjoy your weekend. So right. that light at the end of the tunnel may look different. It might just be a half a day where you feel like you can breathe again, but to just know that those days are coming. And Amy, I just want to Back to the point that you made at the very beginning of this discussion was lingering somewhere between boredom and burnout might be uh, something that we want. But I'm going to turn some of your own advice back against you that you gave me two weeks ago when I said it's been crazy with trial schedules and everything. And I feel like I haven't taken a breath since I started this job a couple months ago. And you said the day will come and you're not going to be bored. You're going to be appreciative of the moment that you have some time to relax. And before you know it, it's going to be gone again. So I think another thing to keep in mind is that the boredom, it may seem like boredom in the moment, but we should probably just try to take advantage of those moments to relax because you know at the other side there's going to be days like this where we're all feeling stressed and burnt out. Touche. And with that, I think that wraps up our conversation today. As always, if you have any comments, questions, episode suggestions, please reach out to us at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And we'll see you next time. Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And check out other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. The Jury is Out with John Simon focuses on lifelong learning to elevate your practice. Subscribe today. 